Welcome to the Love That For Us podcast. Come hang out with us as we explore a holistic approach to entrepreneurship, wellness, and navigating relationships in adulthood. We'll be getting vulnerable about life and dishing the business expertise we've learned along the way. Interviewing industry professionals, all while you get your weekly dose of girl talk and heart to hearts. We're your hosts, Carissa Emiko and Ashton Brooke. And this is the Love That For Us podcast. Carissa's in the hot seat. Carissa's in the hot seat. Yeah. She's I'm gonna poop my pants. I'm gonna <laughs> poop my pants. It's not that scary. Okay. I feel like you were in the hot seat with your retirement episode, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. You liked I being liked, the interviewer? I liked being the interviewer of the hot seat, but it's fine. Here we go. I think we should do more episodes where they're like unplanned or. I don't know, like more one spontaneous. Of us, one of us doesn't know what's happening and the other one does. Yeah, that sounds fun. That actually kind of does sound fun. Like, we should just it every few funny. episodes, like, you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just stared at each other. <laughs> it would be fun. Wait, what was I going to say? Oh, it would be funny to just like start an episode with literally no plans and see what our conversation would be, you know? Ooh, just like a like a hangy outy episode, just like see what yeah. happens. <gasps> what do we call it? Fun. Like an unplanned a fun. <laughs> we call it a fun episode. Fun epi. Fun epi. Okay. Well, should we get right to it? Get right to it. Okay. All right, Carissa, we are going to talk about your journey into entrepreneurship, your years as a businesswoman, your career, how it's looked so far. We're going to really, we're going to really press in here. Okay. It's going to be fun. First of all, did you go to college? And if so, what did you go (laughs) to school for? You're really tapping into your like professional news anchor (laughs) interviewer voice right now. It's fun. Uh, okay, wait, did I go to college and what did I go to college for? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Um, I went, yes, I went to college. I went to a private, very small private school. Um, and I studied psychology and I kind of, yeah, I could honestly see myself going back like to get my MFT later in life, like 10 years from now as like a fun and what's your change. MFT? So people know. Marriage and family therapist. I could totally see myself doing that later in life. Like I've, I never like fully said no to it. I was like, I'm just going to put this on the back burner and see what happens. But I studied psychology. It's like I've always loved people so much my entire life. I just love people, love listening to their stories, knowing what makes somebody tick. I like psychoanalyze people since I've been a child, which I think is a trauma response. <laughs> but uh, but that's what I went to college for. So yeah. And I did not, I mean, I didn't study anything that I'm doing now, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on college just like as a whole? Yeah. It's really stupid. Those are my <laughs> thoughts on college. <laughs> no, I think if you are going to college. Here's my other thoughts. I went to a private university where tuition was so expensive. I think, yeah, it was so expensive. It was like 50 or $60,000. Right. That's, that's, yeah, it was a lot. It was a very Mine small was like private. like 30000 a year. 60 is insane. I think it was between 50 and 60. So like thinking about the fact that I've gone more into entrepreneurship and business, 
honestly, I think anybody that wants to own their own business should put the money that they're going to go to college with and just start their own business and use that money to like fuck around and find out and see what happens and learn because that's what you're going to learn mostly anyway once you actually start your business. So I don't know, hot take, but college is dumb. It is a hot take. I think there's two sides to that. You know, I want my doctors to go to college. I want my engineers to totally, get a proper totally. education. But when you're in your and I, your and I's shoes, you're in your, you're in my <laughs> shoes. <laughs> you're in my. Clearly, I need to go back to school. Um, <laughs> there's just a different experience that we have. So yeah. it's, it's unique to us. But I share, I share some of your feelings. Just life experience and doing the thing actually with your own hands in real time is always what's going to teach you the most. So of course, if you want to be a doctor or like, yes, if I go back and get my MFT, I think that's an appropriate type of job or career where you should go get a formal education for. But here's what, here's, here's the hot take, which I don't even think is that hot anymore is don't go to college just because you think that's the next mm-hmm. step to do. Like I mm-hmm. wish I had traveled for two years or just done anything else that got me more life experience, which is really common in other countries for people to to take a year or two off after high school and just travel. Like I don't think you should go to college just because you think that's the next thing in the pipeline. That's a totally. dumb reason to go to college. So even like wait three or four years and see what you really want to do. You don't know what you want to do at 18. So mm-hmm. that's more the purpose of like don't go to college just because it's after high school. Yeah, I think that's should be a universal advice mm-hmm. given to high schoolers, but they don't do that. They want your money and they want it now. No. Sure do. Okay. What was your first job out of college? Out of college, my first job was an admissions and marketing director at a private Christian high school in the city that I grew up in, which was honestly so fun. And I loved it for the time that I was there. Like Mm -hmm. I got, because it was a small school and I was a new position, I got to kind of like design the position. I had a lot of control over what my job looked like and what I did every day. And I learned a lot of marketing experience doing that. Um, And I really have like a huge heart for high school girls. And so I got to just mentor them and like validate their feelings. That was something working at a high school with other adults who are constantly invalidating uh, the high schoolers experience just because their kids like really pissed me off. So I had a, a just really felt really fulfilled by advocating for the students and like, no, they're humans. Also their hormones are raging and what they're going through is valid. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so I actually really enjoyed a lot of that job and I'm shocked I got that job because I didn't have (laughs) business or marketing experience at all, but. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Did that job shape your thoughts on working in general or like working for someone else? Yeah. I hated working for somebody else. Mm. Oh man. Go on. Oh man. I, (laughs) the thing about me is I, I don't like saying this out loud, but I will always think that I could do something better than somebody else can. (laughs) Like, sorry, I'm admitting it. That's really happens in my head a lot. And I have to check myself a lot on that. I think you've actually shared that on the podcast once. I have, I have. It's a shadow piece of myself Mm. that I am aware of. So I'm just being very raw and real about that. And so 
working for somebody else who I'm like disagreeing with how they're handling a situation um, or where there's like limitations on what I can and cannot do because somebody else says so. No, 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 no. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. okay with that. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I was in that job. I was very fortunate enough to be very respected by my coworkers and colleagues to where like they did think that what, where I wanted to take different programs or whatever was a really good idea. So, but just, yeah, having to run things by somebody else and, and have limitations on me. And also just like, I'm not a morning person and just, Mm. just like the strict time, like it was a desk job. I was working at a desk. So yeah. Yeah. I hated that. No, thanks. Never again. (laughs) When and where did you start to make money for yourself? Well, I know you've maybe shared this, like, way back in childhood you talked about like your card business. Yeah. yeah. There's two things that come to mind from my childhood. Um, I, okay, let's start here. <laughs> I have loved shopping since I have been a little girl. Like mm. I have grown into the proper shopaholic I am from childhood. It was started young. Like I remember, I think it was like second grade for my birthday. My mom took me out of school and gave me a hundred dollar bill and took me to the mall. And I was like beside myself. I think she said I cried. Like I was like so happy to just like go shopping at the mall. Yes. And so I think because of that, like that probably is a reason I was always money motivated because I wanted, I really liked shopping. So yeah, my two early childhood memories of making money were like at holidays and this, oh man, I must've been really little and I was getting scammed too because I was not making a lot of money, but I would just like give little shoulder massages to my family members. <laughs> and I like really remember I would get paid a dollar for 15 minutes, which is a rip off, but I totally. didn't know that at my little young age. But like, even that was motivating to me where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I can do this and make money. Like understanding mm-hmm. at a young age, like being a service provider of like, okay, this is, I'm trading this for money. And then I started a like greeting card, the business also at a young age. I don't know, mom weigh in. Cause you listen to this, what age that was, but like it was young, probably elementary school, middle school. And I would like make these really sounds silly, but they weren't like, they weren't like crafty, cheesy kids mm-hmm. cards. They were like really nice greeting cards with like stamps and paper, like almost like scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. And that was probably my first thing I did where I was like, Oh, I'm making money. Like for a kid, like I would um, go to my aunt's jewelry shows where she would like have all her jewelry out that she made and I'd have a little ca- a table with all my cards on it. And the cards, I sold them for like four or five dollars a card and people would buy four or five cards. And so like I would make well over probably like two hundred, three hundred dollars at one of those when I was a kid, which is a, that's a lot of money when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and I loved doing it. I loved the art of it and just like using my hands and crafting. And so those are probably my first two things, (laughs) a dollar for 15 minute massages and yeah, you need to talk to someone about your, uh, hourly wage. Yeah, sure do. Okay. When you look back on that time or even like getting older, can you pinpoint anything that started to shape the entrepreneur in you? Oh, I guess the way that my family, like the values that my family had on 
kind of just like being your best self and showing up very fully in the world. Sorry, I had to burp. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I, I do think there was an emphasis on success in my family and just like trying your best. That was, Mm. that was important to not like be a half-ass human, which is never how the verbiage I was taught in, but like, (laughs) that was the vibe, you know? Right. Um, when I applied for my first job, um, in high school, like I had interview practices with my dad, like we would sit down and he Mm. would practice interview questions with us and go over common interview questions asked and how to answer them correctly. There was just like a lot of emphasis on doing well, Mm -hmm. um, which I really appreciate. Honestly, I, I have had a lot of random jobs over the years. And I think one time I didn't get a job from an interview, which was like, I was like, what? I didn't get the job. Like, it was really weird. But I was a really good interviewer because my dad taught me that. Like, that was a skill. He, yeah, I can see you know? how those skills infuse you. Like, I see them come out all the time where I'm way more messy action than like you are. You're like, no, I want to do this really well. I'm going to be thorough. Yeah. I'm going to be yeah. really detail oriented. And that comes out in like everything you do. So, yeah, I can see how that shaped you for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's walk through your timeline as an entrepreneur where you were officially full-time doing what for yourself? Like your full-time, you know, you oh. obviously you would quit your desk job at the high school maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will say in high and not in high school, in college, I started a calligraphy business. So that wasn't full-time because I was a student, but I would say that was probably my first more th- something as an adult that I did that was entrepreneurial, that was bringing in a substantial amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were helping me at the time I was still in college, but like I, even, even in high school, like I worked, like I worked nine to five every single day of the summer in high school. Like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to make a lot of money so that I could have freedom. Money to me is freedom. I think um, when I was married, I, my ex-husband and I had met with this couple that was talking to us about money. And it's like always ingrained in my head that people either view money as freedom or um, security. And it's like mm-hmm. one of those two things. And for me, I was like, money is freedom. Like I don't, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's that there's no control on me. I can do whatever I want. Right. So in high school, even I was like, I'm going to work after, after school, I would go work three hours every day after school as a high school student. And then in the summer I would work every single day. And when I would come home from college, I would work every single day, nine to five in the summer and then support myself with this Etsy business that I started. Um, so that was probably the first thing. And I was just doing calligraphy and like stuff for weddings. It was kind of my also my first intro into the wedding industry, which mm-hmm. I had no clue I'd be a wedding photographer later, but I was making wedding signs and place cards and in my college dorm apartment, just like all this shit everywhere, <laughs> like <laughs> making stuff and shipping stuff out. Um, so I would say that was probably my first thing. And I learned I hate shipping things. Oh my God. That's right. when I learned I just hate shipping things. Yeah. Uh, after I got married, this is like a funny story how I became a wedding photographer because that was really, really my first like 
full time. Like that's why I quit my admissions and marketing position at the high school is I started doing photography on the side while I was there and that turned full time really quickly. So I got married and I had a friend shoot my wedding photos. I hope she never listens to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't know this. She probably won't. Anyway, I had a friend shoot my wedding photos and I hated them. Like yeah. I hated them. Ooh, sorry, Sarah. I hated them. And she wasn't like a full blown. It wasn't her career. She just like was a hobbyist with her camera. Yeah. So I shouldn't have hired her. We all her know how those go. Yeah. I know. I shouldn't, you know, whatever. She was the second shooter at another wedding. And I liked how that person's wedding photos turned mm. out. And I had no concept that like, She wasn't the one editing them or anything. She was just a second shooter I didn't know. So I hired her. I hated my wedding photos. I was so sad that I hated my wedding photos. Like I was so sad. And I went on this like depressive deep dive on Instagram of all of the photographers I could have hired. (laughs) As one does. As one does. And I was like, this is cool like this is a whole thing people are almost like photography influencers and they're Mm -hmm. you know educating and helping other people become photographers and it was kind of my first interest into the social media world was seeing like whoa like these photographers have thousands of followers and they're it was cool Mm -hmm. and I had been a hobbyist anyway I picked up every art hobby there is growing up and so I had already had like kind of a cheap DSLR camera and I just was like, I'm going to do this. And I, we had $1,100 in our bank account and I spent 900 of it on a used camera. And I told my husband at the time, I'm going to spend all our money and I'm going to make it back within the first month. And he was like, all right. And I did. And I just like started reaching out to cute couples on Instagram and saying, like, can I photograph you for free? And just like went to YouTube university and became a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. And quit my admissions and marketing position like six months later. Went full time with photography. Yeah. And then I met you like a year later. I know. (laughs) Look at Galt. Look Um, at Galt. Okay. So what, from that point, like what led you to wanting to expand and grow and even develop into like having more jobs or more streams of income. Cause really when you did go into photography, that was much more your soul focus. Yeah. That was my only stream of income for a bit. Um, definitely being in the social media world. When I started photography, it was when Instagram was pretty easy to grow. It was more of a formula and there people weren't talking about the Instagram algorithm. Mm -hmm. The Instagram feed was chronological, Um, we did Instagram pods, which we talked about in our conflicts Mm -hmm. and friendship, our first episode, like I was growing a thousand followers at minimum a month and it was like taking off like fast. Um, I forgot the question. What was the question? (laughs) What like led you from that point to to wanting to expand? Yeah. 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 So what I was saying is I was in the social media world and that's, you know, Something that happens with me is I start something and I pour my entire life and soul into it and I grow it and get what I want out of it like 
I guess I feel satisfied with the success I've had and then I'm bored and I want to go on to the next thing Mm -hmm. and like start completely over with something new. And even um, when I lived in Santa Cruz with my ex-husband and I was photographing full time, I actually got a coffee shop job because I just missed being around people. I just wanted like a regular job. I didn't need the money, but I literally don't drink coffee and I got a job at a coffee Mm -hmm. shop and was like, I don't drink coffee. I'm not going to start drinking coffee, but I want some friends and I want like to interact with people. Mm -hmm. So that was a piece was I wanted community. I wanted more connection with people and I just like can't do one thing or I'll go insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of had gotten to a, had gotten to a point with photography where I was like, I don't know if I was getting bored of it or what, but I was like, I can't just do the same thing over and over. Like I need another thing or I'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and network marketing kind of really naturally like came into the picture with that. Like um, I would go get massages very often, you know, photography, shoulders, mm-hmm. <laughs> back. and my massage therapist had essential oils in her office. And like, that's how I started getting in essential oils. And then I got started with our last company and it was just very simple for me. I was like, oh, I can share a product I already love and use and make money. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't like dip my toe in anything. I like full cannonballed in. And then I was doing network marketing for the first time alongside of photography. Um, So yeah, it was a combination of needing more community, needing to work like with people because I love people so much. And what I found in network marketing was so cool because I still got to work with people, but I was still Mm -hmm. in charge of myself. I wasn't working for somebody else. And to me, it is like the perfect stream. Yeah, it's the perfect stream of income where you get to be on a team. I get to mentor. I get to coach. I get to be mentored. I get to be coached. I get to interact with people I love who are incredible, who call me to be my highest self all day long. And nobody can tell me what to do and it's still my job. (laughs) So I love it. I love the industry because of that. Um, Yeah. What was like transition? I caught myself saying the word like. It's okay. I've said it a lot of times already. Well, that's, well, you're talking a lot, so I don't blame you. Um, what was transitioning into design? How did design enter into your life and where is that? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know. How did that start? Um, I guess if you even take it back all the way to like making cards as a kid, I I scrapbooked too. I liked making things look aesthetically pleasing. I've always enjoyed that. So in a tactile way with tangible objects, I, I was designing like it's literally like graphic design, but with paper, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, when I became a photographer, there's just different things you do as a photographer, like guides or mm-hmm. whatever. I always wanted to just do it myself. And I made my own website when I was a photographer Um, And I loved it. Like I loved creating the website. And so, yeah, I guess I'm trying to think. Oh, when I worked at uh, admissions and marketing. Hold on. When did I learn design? (laughs) I actually didn't know the answer. So I was curious. Well, I don't either because I, I bought like Adobe Illustrator in college and I would use that with my calligraphy stuff too. So I think I just slowly in a lot of different things I did started 
learning the programs, the actual art part of it came really easy to me. Like that part has been natural. It was just a matter of kind of like learning how to use the programs. Um, so yeah, I, I've had an Adobe Illustrator since college. And so I guess it was just a matter of growing on that. And then when I worked at the high school, I designed brochures and programs and mm. ads and posters and banners and stuff. So I think I've just like grown with yeah. that skill. Um, there wasn't really a season where I was like, I'm going to sit down and learn graphic design. It mm-hmm. was just all these stepping stones on top of each other. Um, and then you designed Website a lot for design. our workshop too. I remember when we did yeah. photography workshops, all of that like was designed yeah. by you and there was a lot of marketing involved, but even the way we would present and like do education, it was yeah. all very pretty. And that's I what I'm talking about. I wanted about. it You're, to look nice. <laughs> you were so diligent about it to the point where I'm like, we were really spending this much time on our like PowerPoint and you're like, and yeah, like, I want yeah. it to be yeah. beautiful. So that was... Uh, that was a time in our friendship where I learned more about who you are. <laughs> How detail oriented I yep. am. <laughs> okay. Okay. What are your top strengths as an entrepreneur and businesswoman? Whoa. Okay. Just, like, I have to brag think. on yourself. You know, like this is what I can bring to the table right away. As an every entrepreneur time. and a businesswoman, I'm really good at connecting with people. Um, I've always, like I said, I went to school for psychology. I've always loved people and connecting with people. And I think in every single business that I've had, that's been an important piece and part of it. And artistically, being an entrepreneur that, especially when you're making something for somebody, I think there's like kind of two types of art. You have art where it's like, I'm going to just express fully who I am and someone else is going to like it and buy it. But the art I've always done is like, I'm going to know you and make something for you that you feel seen by, that you love. And so it's always been a part of my art and my business is like knowing my client or the person I'm providing a service for and wanting to make them really happy with whatever I create for them. So my in my website design, like my favorite compliment, and I I think I get it almost every time I work with a client is when people tell me, I feel like this is me in a website or Mm -hmm. I'm sending this to my friends and my family and they're all saying, oh my gosh, I've never seen something that encapsulates you more. Like that Mm -hmm. is just music to my ears. My like tagline is a website and brand that mirrors your soul. Like that's how I want people to feel. And yeah, so I, I, I do think that's a strength of mine is I can read people's vibes and what they want and kind of one of my friends has described me as a gold miner where I like take everything and just like sift through who you are and your and your personal brand and like pull out these pieces and even show you like look at the gold that you have inside of you and and I'm able to bring that out of people um so I know I'm good at that (laughs) um and I would say my yeah my detail-oriented part of me is is a huge strength that served me in that's served me in every entrepreneurial endeavor I've had um and I think my quickness like I have a quick mind um Mm -hmm. problem solving I'm a really I'm a sharp quick problem solver and you have to be a problem solver if you're gonna do Mm -hmm. any type of anything entrepreneurially 
Um, and I've always valued that and just like not valued complaining and valued like, okay, how do we fix it? Like, let's just get, Mm -hmm. get to the answer. And you kind of have to have that mindset if you're going to run a business. Yeah. I agree. All those things are true about you and I have (laughs) witnessed them all. (laughs) Um, it's really hard to not ask you questions back. It's like, I have to like, I don't feel allowed. I feel no. not see like I have to just answer everything. No, you girl, this is our podcast. This is you our make podcast. the rules. Do whatever the heck I want. <laughs> Can make your seat hot if I want to. Totally. Um what would you say weaknesses that you've carried throughout your years working for yourself that you like know you're aware of? You're gonna make me talk about my weaknesses. Just it's going to be relatable, you know, mm, relate to time, the people. Time management. Oh, I didn't see that coming, but okay. You didn't see that coming? I didn't see it coming straight away. I see why. <laughs> I see why. <laughs> oh, I didn't see it coming straight away. I saw it <laughs> coming down the line. Um, time management, man. Here's the other thing, though time management feels like chains on my wrist, like Mm -hmm. scheduling. We've talked about this before. Like it feels Mm -hmm. trapping to me, especially when you're doing something artistic. Who Mm -hmm. the fuck tells an artist sit down here in this time and, and be creative, turn on your creativity. That's hard. That's always been hard for me. And here's the other thing. So in human design, I'm a manifester. And when I read that, I felt so seen because it was basically like you will get these giant creative like energy bursts where you actually like can't even put a project down and you're in your zone and you're flowing and you're going and then you need to rest and recuperate. And that's just how I operate. And that's always how I've operated. Um, but yeah, when you're in a business where you do have timelines or mm-hmm. you know different things like that, it's hard. The time management piece is hard. Um, I have learned to design my business around myself. Why are you laughing at me? I wasn't laughing. I was smiling at you. <laughs> you were like trying to hold back a laughter. <laughs> no. What are you I, thinking? No, share your thoughts in your head. You're lying. I was going to ask you, but what have <laughs> you learned? We've quite literally talked about it on the podcast this year. What have you learned about time management that Instead of that idea oh, of that you it's, feeling that trapped. it's freeing. You're saying, yeah, it yeah, serves yeah no, you. it's freeing. It, it can serve me. But I still will say the creative piece is hard to put, to put structures right. on. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the things right. that you and I have scheduled together for work is not creative. It's just that we need to do right. the discipline. It's easier to do. Work. Exactly. I think it's a lot easier to schedule in more administrative tasks and things that, that just need to get done as opposed to like, hey, can you um, have a creative rush of energy right you now? Sit down and design this whole website right now. Like you yeah. might not be in the flow. Yeah. But I've learned to design my business around my strengths. And mm. my number one booked website package is called a three-day banger where I do everything for you in three days, your brand and your website. And I love it because I just get to like deep dive into somebody's Mm -hmm. life and personal brand and like do it all in three days. Did you just hear my burp through the microphone? Not really. I heard gassy. I I knew you burped, but it wasn't like 
super audible. I have to mute myself when we're in a podcast. I can mute myself and let a But you're talking so much today. But I'm talking so much. I can't just like mute myself. And I'm like trying to burp silently. And okay. You're doing fine. I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, three-day banger. Yeah. So I've learned from, you know, all these different things or like the amount of times I want to start an e-commerce business and design like t-shirts or trucker hats or like stuff like that. And I literally stop myself because I'm like, you hate shipping. Mm -hmm. You will hate that. Like, you know, like I've learned all these things along the way. So, um, yeah. Anyway, time management's a weakness. Um, you only need to share one. You don't have to keep. Oh, you don't want like a a weakness binger and just, just, okay. Time management's my, my main weakness, I would say. And we appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. What has been your favorite season of entrepreneurship, even if you wouldn't go back to it now? Oh. Hmm. Honestly. Okay. I have to think and make sure this answer is correct. But like, honestly, I think my favorite season is right now. Juicy. I do. I do. I think my favorite season is right now because of everything I've learned about myself and the way I have been able to design my businesses around me. And I feel like I'm really leveling up. I mean, our word of the year is discipline. Like, I really feel like I've seen this version of myself that I want to be. And she's felt so within reach within the last like five years. And I feel like this is the year of becoming. And I actually feel like I'm starting to become this person that I've always wanted to be. That's just felt like so within reach. Mm -hmm. I'm actually starting to take the action steps to become her and I can feel it. And it feels really good um, in personal and in business. So I think that's really encouraging for people because so many people might start their own business from the ground up and it's feeling really hard and it's feeling fill in the blank, whatever, maybe negative emotion is tied to that. But I love your story of, cause you've been, you've actually probably been an entrepreneur more than five years, right? I've known you five years. Uh, More like 10 years. Yeah. So just to share that. Whoa, that's insane. 10 years. That's a long time. A third of my life. But you're Whoa. just now stepping yes. into the version of yourself that you've really worked hard for. And obviously these bumps along the road and lessons and maybe setbacks yeah. or whatnot. Like you're, I just like that you've shared that because whether it's 10 years or five years, it's worth continuing on. And we kind yeah. of shared that I think right two episodes ago in our episode with Elise of just failure yeah Yeah. it's a fall not a fail and I have failed a lot in my businesses in my businesses and learned from them so yeah 10 years later and I feel like I'm becoming the entrepreneur I've always wanted to be (laughs) do you think entrepreneurship is for everyone Mm. no <laughs> no no I don't think it's for everyone uh I just do an Australian accent for the rest of the podcast that would be funny. uh here's what's hard about that 
I'm just going to be blunt. Entrepreneurship can be for everybody, but I don't think everybody can handle entrepreneurship because sadly, a majority of the world, this is like a negative view of humanity, uh, isn't willing to work through hard things. Mm-hmm. Why do people quit all of their New Year's resolutions? What what you know, why do people quit mm-hmm. when things get hard? That's literally what entrepreneurship takes is not mm-hmm. quitting when things get hard a million times over. It's not like, oh, it got hard. I got through it. Yay, it'll never get hard again. It's gonna keep being hard. It's literally a job of constant problem solving. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about with Elise, disarming failure. If you are able to disarm failure and problem solve and be just delusionally believe in yourself, you will soar and maybe not right away, but you will. It's inevitable. Like I literally think it's inevitable that if you don't give up an entrepreneurship, you will succeed. I believe that in my core so hard. And a lot of people lack that belief in their self. Um, So I do think that's it's not for everybody because not everybody believes in themselves, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think yeah. what I want to say is I wish it could be for everybody. I think a lot of people desire to be an entrepreneur, but they feel like there's a lot of things in their way. But if they feel like there's a lot of things in their way, then there's going to be a lot of things in their way. So it just takes that delusional belief. And it's belief. okay that some people aren't even desiring that. Some people need that structure. They need the nine to five. Right. Right. That system works so well for their personalities. It's not like we're dogging on people who don't want to be entrepreneurs. No, I think people, what I'm saying, I think I'm speaking more to people that like would want to, but like won't even try. Yeah. Um, because yeah, if somebody feels good and great about their nine to five, I mean, also I, I want to respect like the types of jobs that are nine to five that Mm -hmm. people truly love and that have purpose and they're helping people in. I'm not at all shitting on people that don't have, that aren't entrepreneurship, aren't aren't entrepreneurs or thinking less of what they do for work. Totally. I'm more talking about a person that doesn't want to do their desk job that they're in, but thinks they're incapable of entrepreneurship. I don't know if entrepreneurship is for that person because they're already starting off thinking they can't. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. You did a great job. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. I was listening to a podcast in the gym last night, as I have set out to do, Mm. and he was talking about so many people are really good at entrepreneurship and meant to be working with and for a company growing its mission as their Ooh, form of income. I love that. And he's like, I respect and need so many of these entrepreneurs in my company for it to That's succeed. Cool. So I thought it was a really cool. I actually think, do you want to know? Hmm, hot take? Yeah, hot take. You might fully disagree with me. Oh, I'm ready. I have felt bothered when people in network marketing call just network marketing call themselves entrepreneurs because they didn't start that business. They started a business Mm, in a form of income for themselves. Very hot take. (laughs) But that's not their, even as I say this, I'm like, I view, I guess I view them as an entrepreneur because they are like expanding the mission and growing a company but they're a part of that company. They didn't start the company. And I think part of me, and it could totally be my ego being like, 
No, I started a company yeah. and grew it from the ground up and that made me an entrepreneur. I don't know. What are your thoughts? This is a tricky one. I, to be honest, I don't even know if I have an opinion because network marketing is such a unique industry. Mm-hmm. When someone is an entrepreneur for another company or another growing another company's purpose or mission, they're on salary. Like that's different than network marketing that's like fully commissionable and you're either doing it like an affiliate or you're building a team. Um, because yeah, like if I wasn't a website designer and I just did network marketing, I would consider myself an entrepreneur for what I've grown within network marketing. So I think I don't agree. I just Googled. Uh Oh, you Googled entrepreneur. What's it say? Someone who has started their own company. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's two things I'm reading here. Entrepreneur, a person who starts a business and is willing to risk loss in order to make money. Super Wait, is that just like a web? St- what? What? That's a good definition. I know. That's, like that's a great that's definition. Willing Webster. to risk. That's just. Can we have a moment for Merriam-Webster? Because that, I know it's good. The fact that they included it in there, willing to risk loss in order to make money. Merriam oh. knew. Miriam, <laughs> give it up for Miriam. The other one, when you just quickly Google it, is a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. Wow, so, they're really including the financial risk involved, and I appreciate that because that's realistic. You have, that. I'm just rarely am I pleased with Google, so I'm taking this in. <laughs> So I would say that that definition supports my view because even in network marketing, there really is very, very little cost involved. And when you start and operate a business from the ground up, I I mean, you said it yourself, you invested $900 when you had very little in your bank account. And that was a big risk. And you started from nothing and you taught yourself. So it's okay if people disagree with me. At the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter, but I do see randomly people get ticked off about this on the internet and I kind of agree with them. I'm like, no, you're right. Like, just because you're- Here's here's where I can agree with you and not agree with you. Okay, how do I say this? Entrepreneurship is a way of life. It's going to show in your actions- It's going to show in your beliefs, in your tenacity, in your grit, in how you view failure, in your problem-solving ability. It's not something you buy and do, and now you get to call yourself an entrepreneur. So I think what you're saying is there's a lot of – you're really respecting the word entrepreneur and what it means to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And you're like, don't get it twisted. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you had a waived brand partner fee. You're not a business owner. <laughs> like, like I can see, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. And on the other side, I do, I do know that to be successful in network marketing, you develop right. entrepreneurial traits and personal growth happens in the exact same way 
that it happened for you and I in our photography businesses. So it's just, right. it's, it's not that it, I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater. No, I just I get what you're saying. Here. Network marketing can be entrepreneurship if you make it that, but just because you decide to do it doesn't mean you're a business owner or an entrepreneur because- Right. You're right? not a business owner. Yeah. I, I get that. And I get what you're saying. I, re- I rest my case. It's not going to, I'm not going to lose sleep over this, but I don't know. I'm curious if you agree. I know, yeah. I know you have a, we have a lot of people that listen that are network marketers. So DM us. Yeah. Do you hate We're Ashton? Open. Do you not hate Ashton? Like what's the feelings? <laughs> Let me know. Are you pissed? Send me your hate messages. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. We're, we're wrapping up here. Okay. Uh, Carissa. Uh Oh, <laughs> no, it's fine. What do you see? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? What do you see for yourself in 10 years? Oh man. <laughs> 40. I'll literally be 40 in 10 years. That's wild. That's wild. Um, in 10 years, I will still be working for myself. Um, slay slay tyler will also be working for himself double slay double slay we that's very important to us um i will have a team of people so i don't have to do the things i don't want to do and i will have five plus streams of income and i think probably have built like built or moved into like a dream home that I would love at that point. And I get to spend a lot of time with my family and I do the things I love. I wonder where I'm going to be in 10 years. Yeah. That's exciting to think about. And podcasting with your best friend. (laughs) And love that first podcast will be number one across all platforms. (laughs) We'll be traveling the world, selling out, halls of people to to watch live podcast episodes be recorded halls of people halls (laughs) like what's the word (laughs) like (laughs) auditorium venues i don't know yeah venue felt big but like i'm trying to figure out like auditorium felt appropriate for where we are right now i i'm yeah i'm vibing with what you said it made me auditorium feels like a like a school graduation i don't know i i don't know what the (laughs) right word is (laughs) An appropriately sized room will be sold out. An appropriately <laughs> sized room. People will be waiting by their computers at like when the tickets go live. That's mm-hmm. in 10 years. That's for sure where we'll, where we'll be. Because <laughs> we'll be nothing if not relevant at 40 years old. <laughs> oh, our audience will grow with us and they'll love it. <laughs> and we will love it. Okay, last and question. We love it. Okay. What has been the greatest gift your career years have brought to you? Whoa. Freedom. Oh. That's easy. It's time freedom. Like I love designing my day exactly how I want it to be. I love being able to like if I have a bad day, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to like zen the F out right now and go on a walk and meditate and stretch and watch a show, read a book, sit in the sun outside, and I'm not going to start working until two or three hours later. Like that is wonderful to me. 
I'm not going to schedule projects when I'm on my period, like stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. I just, that has hands down been the greatest gift. And I think it's something a lot of people want. Like a lot of people want time freedom, but a lot of people aren't willing to do what it takes to get it. But you can, like literally anybody can. And that's, that's what I want people to know is like, if you want it, you just got to believe you can have it and it's yours. Mic drop. Yep. Mic drop. Well, you did phenomenal in the hot seat, but Thanks. I also that was need actually to know, easier. Oh, oh. How did I was, do as an interviewer? <laughs> you did really good. You really entered into your like, who's Katie Keurig? Isn't she like a news anchor? Why is that coming know. to my head? Okay. You really were like in professional news anchor mm-hmm. mode. And mm-hmm. like every time I was going to tell you this, every time you were looking at your little notes to ask a question, you had this little smirk on your face. Like, I'm <laughs> um, like, Ooh, this so is excited. a good question. Yeah. Like you were like, Ooh, like can't wait to ask this one. Okay. Should we tell okay. them about next week? Like yes. we have a really exciting Ooh. episode. Do we even Tune tell, in. what are we saying? Just, should we say what it is? No, just trust us. You're going to want to listen. It's very special guests, plural. Guests. It's the first time that we've had two guests on at one time. Wink, wink. Mm -hmm. Wink, Mm -hmm. winky, wink. Okay. Well, Will's calling me, so I'm going to end the podcast. I hear. I know. I hear the buzzing. (laughs) Why is your phone on? It was on Do Not Disturb for an hour. We went over an hour preparing. So. Oh, you like said it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. got Got it. Tell Will I said hi. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Hi, babe. Hi, babe.